2: this is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSIN.
3: The Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Of course, Michael Lombardi I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you in. This is Vsin the sports betting network. Wax on, wax off. Michael Lombardi. We're talking karate during the break, which is Michael's. <laughs> see, but what people don't realize is Michael's a big, like low key. He's a big. MMA guy, it's just that we have to to muffle him. I know we enjoyed July this past summer with Dave Ross talking MMA daily, but we have to muffle him. Dave loves it. it. I mean, I give him credit. He loves loves it and he's
4: good at it. He loves it. Yeah.
3: No, he's great. Okay, so let's get to what we discussed, and that is the line moves based on these quarterback decisions being made. First off, why don't we start with the Ravens? Lamar has now missed 16 straight practices. Do you – Let's just start with he's Lamar. He's not
4: practicing today. He's no, not no, even no. going to practice today.
3: But, benefit of the doubt, to be fair, he's shown throughout his career to be nothing but competitive, forthright. So, we can blame him for not playing. My assumption is if Lamar's not playing, of course, we understand the contract status, but my assumption is he's banged up.
4: Yeah, no doubt. These bank. I mean, look. And we've gone through this. It. This is not. I'm no. I don't blame anybody here. I don't blame the Ravens, and I don't blame Lamar. This is a situation. The Ravens are frustrated. There's no doubt. But you know, they're looking at it from their point of view. They want to try to win this game. I'm looking at it from the players' point of view and the Ravens' point of view. And I don't know how you could expect this not to have happened, right? Because the reality of it is, is you know, Lamar's got too much at stake. I mean, he's got way too much at stake for this. And so to go out there, and if he's not 100%, if he's not 100% in this offense, how does he really operate? Because he isn't a drop-back passer. Their whole offense is predicated on his movement. Their whole offense is predicated on him making loose plays, taking off. It's not structured, and it's not based on the pocket and all that. So if he's not 100%, you can get mad at him all you want. He can't really operate. So – I think the question's gonna carry into the offseason. What do the Ravens wanna do? Would they listen to trade offers for him? I th- I think they might. I think they might. Well, well
3: they're gonna fire the OC. I mean, I think there's no doubt about that at this point, right? They're gonna move on from Roman if they get bounced in the postseason. So then it becomes I that's me just positing that, Michael. You can refute that. But then I it mean, becomes I mean if they didn't
4: fire him after last year, I don't know what they're gonna do. Like I I, right. I mean, I've been on this for three years and I'm not and I'm not trying to get Greg Roman fired. I'm trying to get them to change their offense. I'm trying to get them to become more of a under center, take advantage of Lamar, you know, utilize his skill set, you know, run the outside zone, you know, attack the middle of the field, set it up so that you don't have little receivers get another tight, I mean they got likely in there, but that's what I would be. Like I think it's more about how do we build this offensive system around the quarterback? I mean, if you learn anything about how quarterbacks have been successful. I tell the story in Football Done Right about Bill, Bill Tobin kissing his wife goodbye and saying to her the morning of the 1979 draft and saying, if Joe Montana's there in the third round, we're going to take him. And Joe Montana's there in the third round, and they take Willie McClendon, the running back from Georgia. And the Niners get Joe Montana. Would Joe Montana have been as great in Chicago as he was with Bill Walsh? Probably not. Because the skill set met the system perfectly, perfectly. And what we fail to realize is, as personnel people and as some coaches, that if you don't marry those two together, you can't be effective. So if you can't describe, if a scout can't describe what would highlight this player's skill set in the offense or what offense should we run with this player then how do you just you just like Zach Wilson? What are we going to run? Well, we'll just put him in there. Well, see how it works out.
3: That's an unlucky kiss. I hope he didn't blame his wife for that smooch. <laughs>
4: let's go. <laughs> let's go.
3: <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tyler Huntley. Well, she, they so, were all
4: Notre Dame fans. They were all Notre Dame fans. I mean, well, you know, and, it, and hoping- it takes some time to figure out who is. Like, Brock Purdy is the perfect player for Kyle because he's accurate, he's athletic enough, the game's not too big. He's got 49, uh, 46 career starts in college, so he knows how to do it. He's smart. He can change the play, you know, and Kyle runs enough stuff. They run a lot of different looks, but they do it out of the same – they do it out of different personnel groupings. So, hey, we're going to throw the ball here. It's what made McVay so successful with Goff. Throw the ball here, Jarrett. Throw the ball here. I want you to throw it here. Watch the crosser.
3: Late night Sunday, Baltimore Cincy. Cincy opened six and a half, Michael. It's up to nine. I'll give you nine. Eight and a half, nine and a half, depending where you shop. Let's go here. Tyler Huntley. It did feel like Harbaugh was pointing towards Huntley, but that tendonitis in the shoulder, he can't stretch the ball. I thought Brown
4: actually pushed the ball a little bit. I'd prefer Brown if I'm a Ravens fan here. It's just not accurate enough. I mean, that's the problem. Now, you know, I mean, I was just talking to the great one next door here about this stat that Steve McAdams had. Teams in this round fifty four seven and one. If you like the winner, the 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 points usually aren't necessary. Right. Just picking the winner. This is wild card weekend is no different than Survivor, according to the last ten years or however many it's been. Wild card weekend is like like Survivor. Pick a winner. Yep. And if you pick the winner, you probably got a really good chance of covering. Fifty. You can read. What was it? What did I say? Fifty four seven and one. It, it, I, and, I'm not good the, at math, but that's a those, hell of a you percentage. Can, you can go
3: to at Veasan Live real quick, Michael. At Veasan Live, uh, Mackinan joined Dave and Amal yesterday and gave out that exact stat. Also, when you become a Veasan Pro, all those stats over at Veasan.com. But again, your point is well taken. Eschew the points. If you if you like a winner, go ahead and lay it, and don't worry about the Just points p- in the
4: wildcard round. Yeah, don't don't over don't overthink this. If Anthony Brown's playing, there's a reason that line is even moving further higher than it was last weekend. That that when he denounced, he was starting. I mean, right now it's at nine and a half, and that's just because we think he's we think Huntley. We know Lamar's not playing. They wouldn't they wouldn't hang this nine and a half out there if Lamar's playing. No, the Lamar's six not. and a half was was the couch to see that that report that came out on on Sunday on ESPN where Schefter said he was trending in the right direction. I think that moved the line to six and a, under seven. I think that report moved the line. And now that we're finding out that that report may not be accurate, and it's still no fault on Adam Schefter. I'm sure he was told that. But injuries are hard to predict. Coming back from injuries are even harder to predict. So we had this, now we're seeing this line trim up. We had this
3: scenario, Michael, with Miami years back. Remember, I think it was Tannehill who got injured. They went to Pittsburgh, and they started – hmm, I can't remember the starter. It was uh, – Miami started somewhere. Miami,
4: that's right. Miami went there. Was it Chad Henny? Did he start that game? No, I think it, it wasn't was Chad but M- Matt Moore. Matt Moore, right. It was Matt Moore. Good it job, Matt Moore. Way the, reason, go.
3: the reason I bring it up is because Miami, now, this is an all time bad matchup. I mean, really, the NFL got, they're in trouble here. One o'clock window, Skyler Thompson at Buffalo. This number, open 10.5. It's been bet up to
4: 13. Yeah, I mean, I think look, it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to play a, a, a completely different way here. You got to hope everything goes well. You got to hope your defense has the best game of the year. You can't. This game, you can't. I don't see how you score. You scored 29 against them the last time, but with Sean McDermott, the advantage Sean McDermott has is a little bit like Kirby Smart, the advantage he had in the playoff game in the in the in the, co- in the uh, college game, is he saw what TCU wanted to do. The best way TCU could play is this way. And so then he spent his entire week defending that because TCU didn't have a left. They couldn't go another direction. This is who they were. And they caught Michigan with it. They won the game. I don't think Michigan played very well. I disagree with people thinking that Michigan got punched around. I don't think that. I think Michigan beat themselves, but that's for another conversation. So Buffalo – now they have a week to know. They've watched this jet tape with Skylar Thompson, and they know they've got to run the ball. And so, if you can, and Tyree Kill's got a bad ankle, whether he's you know 100, I don't know, but I'm sure he'll play. But if we could take Tyree Kill out of the game, double him, and really load the box up and play really good run, where are they throwing this football? Are they going to beat us with Waddle? Maybe, but if we could take that away, it's going to make it harder for Skylar Thompson. We played nickel against them the last time for the matchups because we were worried about them throwing it, and for good reason. But we don't have to worry about that as much.
3: To further your point about Mackinnon and the points not mattering, wildcard round, home favorites in the wildcard round of nine or more points are a perfect 8 no straight up, 8 no ATS, so they cover the big number. You've got two in that scenario this weekend. Michael, we just talked about the Bills laying thirteen. And also the 49ers who are sitting nine and a half, but some shops are showing doubles here. So there it is. Uh, big favorites I mean, I at had home wildcard round.
4: I have this game in my board. I have this game as 12.3. And a lot, and, that, and that doesn't factor in Thompson. Because my numbers are based on all the data that, that the, the Miami Dolphins have accumulated through the years. I didn't count that. La- in all my numbers... I eliminated week 18 from them because they're fake. They're, they're, they're not real. I mean, you could if you put those numbers in for the Giants, they don't really matter because the Giants didn't try, even though they gave Philly a hell of a game. Now, we
3: should say I, Bridgewater, I, I would put it, what, 95% he's not going to play, but he hasn't been officially ruled out. I mean, it looks like it's going right. to be Skylar Thompson.
4: Well, they got Skylar uh, Thompson in this thing. And, we got yep. and, you know, it's only going to be 28 degrees. We've got our man Brad Allen doing the game. So, you know, I, I don't think that'll be an issue. I think the only weather issue this weekend is that San Francisco game, is how much rain. rain is going to be on that and how that field affects San Francisco's speed on defense. I think you got to consider that. Tampa, the track will be fast. I mean, people talk about, well, Dallas is better on turf than they are on grass. That grass in Tampa is fast. That's a fast track down there.
3: Week 18, Thompson, 20-31, 152. They scored nine offensive points against the Jets. Tall task headed to Buffalo. There, it's going to be rough. Right,
4: and the other thing we got to talk about in this game too, Patrick, is is Terod Armstead going to play? I mean, last week they had Greg Little at left tackle, and the Jets didn't Not really great. take advantage of it. I mean, if they play Greg Little in this game at left tackle, Thompson, they got to really, they got to work, they got to protect him over there. They can't let that happen. So that's an issue. See, we we got to do a, you know, these injuries have piled up. Minnesota five-and-a-half-point favorite the last time they played the, the Giants. Now it's down to three, but they're, they're they're a much different team in the offensive line than the last time.
3: It, it, the one thing I would say about the Bills, is they played down to their competition, Michael Lombardi. However, Skylar Thompson as the competition is a rough look for Miami. Remember, Minnesota went there and won. Uh, obviously, we understand it was crazy circumstances, but Minnesota went to Buffalo and won, so... Uh, We'll see what happens there. It's 13 right now. Skylar Thompson, we assume he is the starter. We're coming back. Samich, Mike Samich joins. He's got one, two, three, four, five plays for you.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
2: to the Lombardi line on vSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now once again here's Patrick Maher
3: okay it's BetMGM the king of Sportsbooks. remember the app has been newly reconfigured so it makes the in-game experience that much more efficient go to BetMGM.com or download the app right now to get involved the king of sports books longtime sponsor of the Lombardi line got to be 21 years or older if you're in town there in Vegas stop by any MGM property, bring your state-issued ID. You're ready to go within minutes as we welcome you back here. Lombardi Line on Thursdays. We look forward to this 45 minutes. We get professional handicapper Mike Somich and then Mike Palm, of course, to join Michael Lombardi there. On Patrick Maher. In comes Mike Somich. Good to see you. Let's talk about what we were discussing during the break. A lot of rain in California. Going to have a lot of rain, of course, uh, Seattle San Francisco and we'll start here you like McCaffrey over seventy seven and a half on the rush yard prop
2: I do I mean this is a Seattle defense has struggled against the run all year long they actually gave up the most rushing yards in the NFL and you've got a San Francisco team that Well, Brock Purdy has been very good in his starts. You're not looking to lean on your rookie quarterback here. Uh, I know Michael mentioned in the last segment, uh, when Shanahan wins, usually his quarterbacks throw 20 or less passes. I think you're going to see a very similar game plan here. We don't have a team total up for rushing yet. Uh, The game total is at 264.5. You're probably going to see about 100 to 115 of that allocated towards Seattle. So the San Francisco team rushing total should be right around 150. If it is, I'll be playing the over there as well. Right now, I feel like the best option on the board is to play McCaffrey over 77 and a half yards rushing. He should get 15 to 18 attempts against the Seattle defense that really struggles to stop the run. And pretty much any game script here, you're going to see them consistently run the ball. If it's a close game, they're going to run the ball. If they get up 10, they're going to run the ball. So I think McCaffrey gets his carries here. You can no longer really protect him. It's the playoffs you got to go with your best weapons and that's McCaffrey for San Francisco.
4: You know, and I think what adds more fuel to the fire there is the fact that Seattle is so bad at giving up long runs. I mean, they give up long runs. They just don't give up 3 and 4 yards. They give up long runs. I mean, you know, their defense ranks 30th in the amount of rushing attempts they see and they're 30th in the yards that they allow. And then what really scary about them is is they're you know, the team's they're 26th in average per attempt. So when you give up long runs, th- that's how you hit those over totals on rushing.
2: Well, and McCaffrey, one of the most dangerous in the league at doing that. If he gets loose into the secondary, you can consistently see him turn these seven, eight yard runs into twelve, fifteen yard runs. If he busts one, yep. he's going way over the seventy-seven and a half. So I think this one's just totaled and, and, a little bit too low here.
4: And I don't have, and they don't have Jordan Brooks. Uh, you know, that Correct. we didn't yeah, talk about huge. that, but that's significant, right? Jordan Brooks has 161 tackles for their team this year. He's got 103 solo tackles, 103. The next closest guy to him is Cody Barton at 84. So, I mean, you lose him in that front seven, it's hard.
3: Well put. And by the way, last week, Akers and the Rams ran for 146 on that Seattle defense and a must-win for Seattle. Remember, fellas, so... Again, I love the play. 77 and a half go over for Samich on McCaffrey. Let's back up a little bit. The Bills. Now, anywhere, Circus still 12 and a half. We've seen books go to 13 and a half. I'll call it 13 with you laying it in Buffalo.
2: Yeah, anything less than two touchdowns here is a pretty easy play for me. You guys mentioned a bunch of the stats uh, in the last segment as well. The last 62 games, last 12 years, only seven teams have lost the game but covered the spread uh, double digit favorites at home in this wildcard round are 12 and 0 in the last 12 games. Uh, if you look at the last two years there's only been two games that ended at six or less and in both of those games you had double digit leads in the fourth quarter. To me this is a spot where you just got to go with the home favorite here and expect them to be able to roll. They, they absolutely blew out New England last year so you know that they're able to cover these type of spreads in this spot. And this Miami team just is a shell of what they were earlier in the season. We've seen enough of Skylar Thompson to know what to expect there. They're going to just try and stop Moser. And if they're able to stop Raheem Moser up front, then this Miami offense is just not going to have an answer. And on the other side of the ball, you've got the Bills offense, who's absolutely rolling 28 or more points, six of the last eight games. If the Bills get to 28, which is their team total, Miami is going to be very, very, have a very difficult time covering this 13-point spread.
4: Yeah, and the injury report for Miami is bad. I mean, without Armstead, and they have to put Little over there at left tackle, that affects what they do offensively. And let's face it, I mean, you know, for all the fanfare, for all the love that Mike McDaniel received about being a run game guru, they're 31st in the National Football League in rushing attempts tried. And the only way they're going to win this game is they've got to run the football. They have got to run the ball. Will he call runs? You know, I don't know. I mean, last week it was saved them. They got 162 yards rushing against the Jets. That's the only way they won the game.
2: Well, this Bills team does struggle a little bit more against the run than the Jets do. So that is the the way to keep this close. You really want to just be. I think,
4: Mike, I think the difference there will be, I think Buffalo will play a base defense. I don't think they'll play their nickel defense. I think they have to play. They have to anticipate that they're going to see nothing but a lot of runs. And they've got to be able to get a bigger guy into that front seven to help them.
2: I I think you're going to see stack boxes the whole game. I completely agree with you. I think that's going to be a huge issue. Because if Miami's running into seven, eight, nine men fronts the entire game, they're not going to have that success that they had against the Jets, even though that Jets rush defense is is more stout than the Bills. And that means that you're going to have to rely on Waddle and Hill, who both seem banged up right now. I mean, we know Hill's had ankle injuries, been on and off the field. Waddle hasn't really looked like himself either. And when this offense was humming... It was stretching the field throws that were averaging eight, nine, 10 yards downfield. That's not what Skylar Thompson's good at. He's not as anticipatory as Tua is. And that's where they were really killing teams. So this offense is just hampered when you have this weaker offensive line combined with Skylar Thompson, at quarterback and injuries on the outside. It's just a brutal spot. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this one gets very, very ugly.
3: I look, I love Michael. Wasn't McDaniel the run game coordinator for Shanahan? And then he got his own job and he said, Screw those runs percentage wise. Yeah, he runs I mean, it like, less than anybody in I'm the I'm chucking football. this
4: bad boy down the field, you know, like and and the, and, and what he do, what he's done is by doing that, he hasn't managed the game correctly because his defense, which isn't very good, you know, it can't stop the pass. They've tried to play man to man. I think Josh Boyer, if they lose this game, he's gonna get fired, the defense coordinator, as you know, they they can't they can't stop anybody throwing it. And that's what teams do. Teams throw the ball on them, and they make plays against them, and they can't force turnovers. They're 30th in the league in forcing turnovers. Okay. Let's go here. I, you
3: know, this is an interesting one. You've got five plays. I'm going to save two for subscribers. So let's go AFC. you got to lay a little bit of a price, but Samich, you like the AFC at minus 150 to win the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I've been looking at my chops to see if I can get an AFC minus two, minus two and a half, somewhere in that range over the NFC in the Super Bowl. Right now, the best line I was able to find was AFC minus 150, which essentially uh, evens out to a minus two favorite in the game. To me, if you just look at the quarterbacks, the two conferences, uh, it is just wildly stacked toward the AFC. You're most likely going to see Mahomes, Burrow, or Josh Allen coming out of the AFC. But if you do have some type of upset, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence or it's going to be Justin Herbert you flip over to the NFC side, I mean, you're looking at Purdy, you're looking at Hertz, uh, you're looking at at quarterbacks like Geno Smith, you have a 45-year-old Tom Brady. I just have a massive edge at quarterback, no matter who comes out of the AFC, facing these NFC teams. And you have more battle-tested AFC teams as well who kind of been there before. The one exception would be Tampa Bay, but I'm not very excited about Tampa Bay, so I'm not as worried about them getting out of the NFC. I think the AFC ends up laying three and a half to four points when they actually played this football game. So taking the minus 150 now gives you significant value on the money line versus what you'll be able to get come that first weekend in February.
4: Man, great points. Patrick, great yep. points. I mean, when you AFC, when I do my yeah. quarterback ratings for tomorrow, I mean, you know, like last week I did my quarterback top five quarterbacks. They're all AFC guys. All I mean, AFC. It's just all AFC. All AFC. Yep.
3: yep, 100%. Uh, minus 150 right now, AFC to win the Super Bowl for Samich. Hey, before we say goodbye, just this is random. It, how's our buddy Flightline doing? You know, Michael Lombardi and I, we got wrapped up in the greatness of Flightline, went to stud. Do we have, do we, do we, I'm guessing his life is going well, but do we have a reaction as far as stud? Like, What's the projections for the studying there of your boy Flightline, Samich?
2: Yeah, he's, he's living his best life. Uh, he's he's going to have close to 100 <laughs> kids uh, come next year, so hopefully the alimony payments don't pile up too much for him. But uh, he's living his best life at stud right now gets to enjoy that. It, phenomenal to see him. Bum, we're not going to see him this year, but exciting Kentucky Derby. At some point, we're going to have to talk Kentucky Derby on here. Right now, your future favorite is 15 to 1, shows you how wide open the uh, the Kentucky Derby field is. So it's, it's going to be a fun year in horse racing leading up to the Derby because we've got, I would say, five or six, three-year-olds that could be very, very good this year. And you've got a couple that haven't even started yet that have already hit the Derby odds board as well. Give us
3: two. Give yeah. us three names. Give us three horse names to look out for for the forthcoming Kentucky Derby next
2: year. Well, your, your two favorites are probably going to be uh, Cave Rock for Bob Baffert, although he won't be able to train him, and Forte, who won the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile. You want a couple prices. Right now, 66-1 to one on the board, instant coffee out of the Brad Cox barn. Just one last time out uh, in a stakes race, had a tough trip, was three wide on the first turn, four wide on the second turn, able to grind out the victory. Another one I like is Tappet Shoes, 75-1 to one on the board right now, also out of the Brad Cox barn, had an awful trip out of the 11 post in Kentucky at Churchill, first time out, came back at fairgrounds, and was green as can be, could not run in a straight line. And one by about eight lengths. There's t- if, if he gets his head on right, that horse could be huge.
3: <laughs> Do you see love why it. I'm his friend, Michael Lombardi? I uh, love it. these horse racing guys. It. They go so I, I deep. Gotta hook it's him ridiculous. Up with
4: I got I got to get Parcells and him hooked <laughs> up here.
3: Yeah, you got to get Samich and Parcells. They'd be a dangerous duo. Tap it shoes. Look out for that. And by the way, you can go right now, become a decent Pro. Samich, who hasn't lost on the show in weeks, has got two more plays for Wild Card Weekend. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. RacingDudes.com. Appreciate you.
2: Enjoy wildcard weekend,
3: Mike. boys. Okay, we will. Thank you very much. Coming up next, Mike Palm, Palm's pressing three here on the Lombardi Line.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, we didn't get to two of Samich's play. Also, a couple of plays from Will Hill. You can get those plays for $9.99 now. Remember, all VSIN hosts and guests, we throw them on a sheet and email you the picks every single day. So we handicap for you. No need for you to do the work. All you have to do is become a VSIN pro. slash subscribe. Right now, it's only $9.99. It's a great deal. Introductory offer. Pro tools, pro picks, pro tips. Also, as we welcome you back, Michael Lombardi, I started off the show saying we've added a bunch of radio affiliates, so some new teammates mm-hmm. here, and VEASAN is now heard on SportsMap radio across the country, including great radio stations like the Horn 1260, 1019, and 1049 in Austin, Texas. And by the way, Mike Palm is big in Austin, Texas. Of course, Close you're down. listening live to the best in Where's, sports betting news he information.
4: Big? Where is he big? He, Where he is Mike Palm, big?
3: He, Mike Palm is, we welcome you, and again, welcome the Horn, of course, 104.9 in Austin, Texas. Have you ever been to Austin, Texas? It feels like a town for you, my friend.
5: No, the only time I was in the state of Texas was when I was moving out here, and I was in Chicago, so I, I took 80 to the 35, and then I took the 35 south down there to Amarillo, and then across through the... The Enchanted Forest of, uh, of New Mexico and Arizona and all that. It was it was snowing pretty heavily in Flagstaff when I came out. It was March, but I took the southern route because I didn't want to really go through the mountains and and get caught. I was all by myself in a '98 Lincoln Town Car with the you know my whole world packed in the back.
3: Amarillo yeah, by morning. Goes. You're like yeah, George
5: remember, Strait. Yeah. By the time I get yeah. to Phoenix, yeah, exactly.
3: You're like the king, George Strait. <laughs> Mike Palm like joins Campbell. us, of course. Yeah. Bon Vivant there, Circa Sports, Vison host. What's new? Talk, talk to us quickly before we get the Palms pressing three coming up in nine minutes about wild card weekend. Where's the juice there at Circa? Well, the, the
5: movement's incredible on these games, isn't it? But there's so much quarterback quarterback news. I mean, we went from 10.5 to 8.5 when we thought Tua might be playing, and then when the announcement came out less than two hours later, it went from 8.5 to 12.5. I mean, so <laughs> th- that's, that's quite a move. Uh, the Lamar Jackson, 6.5, and, and then Lamar Jackson not likely eight and a half and not a day less likely nine and a half. So, I mean, that game, I think that game goes to ten and a half or 11. Uh, uh, if when, once it's confirmed, Jackson's not playing the chargers game's interesting, right? They, they opened close to three. The game went to a pick pretty quickly, but now back up to two yesterday and chargers a two and a half point road favorite today. Same as the Cowboys, a road favorite on Monday night in Tampa.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how that, uh, I think we're going to get Anthony Brown. The Lamar to me, this line going as far as it's been moving. And th- when we started the show, there were some eight and halfs out there. There's no eight and a halves anymore. Now it's up to nine and a half. You're at nine and a half at circa yeah. there. So I'm getting the sense it may not even be Huntley, Mike.
5: Well, you're right there. Because if it was Huntley, why would the number be more than eight? Uh, honestly. Yeah. But uh, it, we saw Anthony Brown last week, and we saw what the result was. I mean, what the game closed thirteen and a half, and that way you never even really got a sniff there. So interesting, the one line that hasn't moved an iota either the total or the side, Vikings and and Giants, uh, uh, painted at three, and no movement at all there, three and forty eight and a half.
4: Which is surprising because Mike, I thought that line would, I thought it would get under two and a half, and here's why. I felt like. That because of Minnesota's uncertainty with their offensive line, and we all know Cousins in a big game on national TV is not exactly has been stellar or consistent. Let's put it that way. But if Bradbury doesn't play, and they've got to play Chris Reed at center, and and then they've got you know they got this you know they got this uh, sixth round pick at right tackle. And the rookie, Ed Ingram, at right guard, I mean, it's going to be a hard game for them. There's going to be three new starters in this offensive line. I don't know how they, even though I know the Giants aren't an elite team, but Uda, the, the kid that they drafted, that's how I, yeah, I'm not sure I say his name right, In the, at the right tackle, he's really a guard trying to play tackle, and he struggles. I, I just think this the worst time to have a bad offensive line problem is come playoff time.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I look at the NFC, Michael, and I don't think that anyone outside of the top two can win it. I, I think it's very top-heavy. I don't think Minnesota's viable. Um, I don't think the—you know, I, I sat here for a— mo- We've known that it's going to be Cowboys at Tampa Bay for a month. We've known that. That was either yeah. going to be a Sunday night or Monday night game, on wild-card weekend. And I so said, if we can get this number under three, as bad as Tampa Bay has been— I'm going to lay it with the Cowboys. Well, here we are, and two things happened. We, you know, Brady found Mike Evans again. He came to life after 11 weeks without a touchdown pass, and Dak has has just been horrific. I mean, I'm no expert, but watching him play, he's so flat-footed. He's thrown an interception seven straight games. He looks awful. I I can't even lay it anymore. I'm thinking about taking two and a half with Tampa.
4: Yeah, I, I'm going to lay it at two and a half. Mm-hmm. I I just think to me. Uh, you know, and Kellen Moore, by the way, is getting out head coaching interviews just in case you needed to know that. You know, uh, I- I'm with you. I I I'm frustrated by their offense at times. I think sometimes he makes bad decisions, and, and it really costs them. But I just think overall, I I, I guess this is more of an anti-Tampa. I-, I I don't think Tampa's really has turned the corner. Like I watched them against Carolina with a vested interest in it. And Carolina wins that game if JC Horn plays. I mean, if they had somebody to cover Mike Evans, they're going to win that game. And we know Carolina's not an elite team, and and Sam Darnold moved the ball down the field on them. So, uh, I now maybe they're a little healthier, and I think that's something to consider. Once we know Monday night where the health is of a lot of these defensive players for for uh, Tampa Bay,
3: Mike Palm, I have to give you Derek Stevens and the crew there at Circa credit because I don't think there's a more creative book in the country than circus sports. And we've been talking about it all year. So why don't we pay it off? What ended up happening with Circa survivor? Because it was an all timer. Yeah, well let's, let's, yeah. let's wrap up
5: survivor and a million. So the three gentlemen uh, entered the final week. I really thought since they all had Jacksonville available, that that's probably what they would do. Just each take Jacksonville and, you know, walk away with 2 million, no matter if they beat, if they beat Tennessee or not. But we ended up with three separate picks. Um, Brown A took the Jaguars. I don't think he really had another choice. Jed, who had Jacksonville and the Seahawks, ended up going with the Seahawks. And then the enemy within, a man named Mike Barth, who was actually here with us all weekend and made, made the, uh, the V-CIN car wash tour over the weekend, ended up, you know, he had Minnesota. So I thought, well, maybe we get Jacksonville, Seahawks, Minnesota. He ended up taking the Colts. Uh, and so was eliminated. He's actually the first person in the three years of the Survivor that on the final week lost a pick. The first year 35-0, and 0. last year all five got through, and then this year two of the three. So Brown, A, and Jed split three million each. Now, Mike Barth, the enemy within, did admit to the Mike Wallace of East and Dave Tooley, you know, the intrepid <laughs> reporter, under, under grilling. Brady couldn't get it out of him, but under grilling admitted they did do some sort of a save. Um, so I, they're not allowed to say the amount because they signed an NDA with the lawyers, but he's not walking away with anything. So they saved something, whether it was a half million each, a million, whatever the number was, um, there was some form of a, of a partial chop there, but officially we'll pay out those two gentlemen, $3 million tomorrow night in the ballroom when we do our winner's ceremony.
4: Mike, what made him take Indy? I, I, I said all week, obviously he doesn't listen to our show, because I thought, Indy was a, I thought Houston was a live play in that game. I thought they would play it to win. I thought there would be no doubt they wanted to win it. I, what made him do that?
3: It made no sense. To be fair to him, the Indy play made zero sense any way you analyze it. Well, so
5: here's where he started. He, we started with Jacksonville, and he said he was nervous about Jacksonville because it was a young team. And the team, not the coach, but the team hadn't been there in that spot before. I thought Minnesota was a really good play because I I just thought, you know, they were going to play their starters in the first half. Nathan Peterman? Yeah. With Peterman? Well, look at O'Connell. He couldn't even get a field goal off. He was so afraid of giving Peterman the ball back with 15 seconds, he totally botched the last minute. That's another concern if you've got Vikings futures. But he said with Minnesota, he thought they'd pull the starters early and it might become an exhibition game. And he thought the, the fact that Houston needed to lose to lock up the number one pick was enough of a reason to take the Colts.
4: I, and I would have talked him out of it. Mm-hmm. I could have saved him money because there was no way Houston was playing to lose. There's just no way. I mean, there was no way. And Lovey said it after the game. He said exactly what I wrote on Friday, that he was going to win. And there was no name. Nick, Nick Cesario was going to tell him to lose. There was never that. He was getting fired. But the players played hard for him, so I know it took a miracle. I understand that, but but the but the way he handicapped it was wrong. He could have won if they wouldn't have converted the fourth and twenty. But God bless him to get to week eight. What was it? Week twenty. Yeah. To get there and survive is is to me a, 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 my tip my cap to him. And he had three good options. I think he took the worst option. I, I agree with him on Jacksonville. I thought Minnesota, especially when Peterman went in and the Colts are and the and the and the Bears were basically done for the season, I thought that was the easy play.
5: Let's wrap up the millions real quick. It came down to the Sunday night game. Two teams were tied, this team Chiefs which is four guys from the Metro Detroit area, and Ebot, who's the plumber from Chicago, they had opposite sides of the final game. Ebot had Green Bay minus 4.5. The Chiefs had the Lions plus 4.5. But remember, the line moved as soon as Seattle won and Detroit was eliminated to 5.5. So they were not in a spot to hedge because if it lands 5 Green Bay, they lose both ways. Their Lions win the game for them. They win a million for first place for the season, and they pick up 110000 They chop first place in the fourth quarter. So that was a great story as well. Here they were sweating it with Derek Stevens on Sunday night.
3: Yeah, it was I a saw Detroit, that video. It, was, it was a Detroit crew, a Michigan crew. All four Derek guys Stevens. from
5: uh, the greater Detroit area. That's right, Patrick.
3: It's tremendous. Uh, I Listen, if he were alive right now, Mike Wallace would be flattered because he just got compared to Dave Tooley. When we come back, Palms pressing three here on the Lombardi line.
2: to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, I tell you every day, BetMGM Rewards. It's the best loyalty program in the game. It's very simple. I'll make it simple. It's a credit card. So really, every time you bet at BetMGM, you get points, you accrue them. You can use them for free bets, travel, airfare, whatever you want. It's a great deal. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Make sure you check it out. It's the loyalty program. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. 21 years or older. You know, Michael Lombardi there, Mike Palm there, Circa. I'm Patrick Maher. We were having the discussion before we get to Palm's pressing three really quickly. Circa Survivor was such a hit this year. And I told you, I was listening to Washington, D.C. radio channel locally, and they, all they did was talk about Circus Survivors. So the PR this year was amazing. You had how many entrants this year, and what's your projections for next year, Paul?
5: So the first year we had 1,305, and then last year we had 3,100, and then this year, 6,133. I said year five we'd get 10,000. If Derek would loosen it up and, and let people get 10 entries each, uh, you know, we took it from five to six this year. I think if you let people get 10 entries each, you might be able to get to nine or 10,000 next year. Uh, that's a big factor because people want to buy a lot of entries. But if you like you're limited to six, you got to bring your brother, your mailman, you know, this, that, yeah. your accountant and bring people out here and buy the entries for you and get these corporations. But uh, the popularity and now, too, with Visa now and all these radio markets, uh, how about the word spreading even more across the country with the tremendous work Bill A D has done in, in spreading the footprint?
3: Well, here's what here's what we'll do. If you are just new to VEASAN or the Lombardi line, go to sports.com for information on Circa Millions and, of course, Circa Survivor or VEASAN.com. You can find the link to Circa. Okay, no time to waste. Palms pressing three. Let's go. Number one.
5: I have to tell you, this was like the hardest week because I had like nine questions, right, at wrapping up the season, but we narrowed it down to these three. All right, let's start with number one. Michael, I am no fan of Brandon Staley's work, as opposed to another host on the network who said he's the best coach in the NFL and there's no close second. In fact, I believe he is a coaching narcissist. Everything is about him. But on to the question. Like everyone else, I watched in stunned amazement on Sunday as Staley trotted out Herbert and Bosa and Mike Williams and his full squad to compete in what was, in effect, an exhibition game. However... Is it a lazy narrative just to blame Staley? Being a former general manager, why should we believe that this was even Staley's call, a second-year head coach with no chops or clout? If you were the Chargers GM, would you have not been instructing him whom to play and whom not to play? Please enlighten us. How do these decisions get made and who makes them?
4: Well, there's obviously a disconnect. And I think if you go back to Staley, what he said after the game, it's true. It's hard to manage these games. You only get so many players. But then if you look at the New York football giants, 3,000 miles away, they had no problem managing the game. They, they basically, Joe Shine and Brian Dayball, sat down in a room and said, look, the only thing that matters is us winning, uh, us staying healthy, so let's make sure these five guys don't play. We're six guys, Dory Jackson, this guy, they don't play. We need them next week. So obviously there wasn't that meeting. If I would have been the GM and I was char- with the Chargers, I would have said to Staley, "Look, we're not playing. We're not going to play Eckler. We're not playing. We're not playing Mike Williams. By no means are we. We're not playing Herbert. And here are the five guys. And whatever you got to do to the roster, here's what you're going to do. And that's how we're going to play because we need. The only way we win next week is to make sure Herbert's 100% healthy. We need Mike Williams more than any player on the team besides Joey Bosa." So once we eliminate those six, now you figure out how you're going to play the game. I don't care if you win or not. I don't really care. I don't care if you win. Nobody cares. It's, 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 it doesn't matter. So that's how we approach it. But obviously, Staley thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and he wanted to keep this momentum. I think he really wanted to win the game. I think he was. I, I. don't know. I think something might have happened during the game to finally come to his senses, because it made the decision to finally pull Herbert made no sense at all. It was like, what? Why now? Why now? Why not two? Why not uh, an hour ago? So look, I think there's a lot of discontent within that building. I think if they don't win this week, I see changes on the horizon. Maybe not for Staley. The general manager's contract's up next year. this year. I think the offensive coordinator could be looked at as a replacement. I'm not sure. I've heard rumblings that Staley might want to change that area. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. Good
3: question. Inner workings of that decision. Number two, Paul. Matt LaFleur, known
5: by a different name to listeners of the JM Shuffle, once again gagged hmm. in a big spot, Michael. Has any coach gotten more of a free pass in recent memory that lost bigger home games? Two consecutive years as the number one seed in the NFC and now in a playoff game again, a play-in game against the Lions. Has the Packers brass not seen enough and would the situation be different if Green Bay had traditional ownership?
4: I think it would be much different if they had traditional ownership because at least somebody would be minding the story. Now, Mark Murphy hired LaFleur, so he doesn't want to admit that he made a mistake. It's a little bit like Cleveland. you know. They love that Ivy League, smart, You know, let's go for it our own 25. That's who they stand for. They believe that analytics matters and toughness doesn't. So they're not going to get rid of Stefanski because getting rid of Stefanski would be everything that they believe in. So they're not making that change. Same thing in Green Bay. Murphy's not going to walk away from the floor because it's what he believes in. It's, he's invested into it. It's a sunk cost fallacy. But you raise a tremendous point. I mean, here's a guy that hasn't been able to win home playoff games. His team's not tough. They don't get better in any area in terms of that. Everybody blames Aaron Rodgers. Nobody blames LaFleur. But everybody gives him credit for the 13 wins. Nobody gives Rodgers credit for that. I think if we'll find out how bad of a coach is put. If you put LaFleur on Tennessee's team, what do you think the win percentage would be down there? And, and switch Vrabel up to Green Bay. How'd that work out? So I, I do think he gets a pass. I think, uh, you know, there's certain coaches in this league that get him. Ron Rivera hasn't been to the playoffs, hasn't had a winning record in five years. Hasn't had a winning record in five years.
3: Not exactly Mike Palm's hero, Dean Smith, as a head coach. Number three, Mike Palm.
4: Finally,
5: Michael, we close with the curious case of Lamar Jackson. We haven't gotten any accurate reporting on this story whatsoever. We never heard that he was going to be out a month plus. We never got a timetable on his return. Harbaugh has been incredibly cryptic in his comments. He defends Lamar and says how much he loves him. What do you think is going on behind the scenes? Has Lamar played his last game as a Raven? And why would he play this week, one week away from cashing a lottery ticket? And finally, do the rest of his teammates just understand that this is the business of football?
4: And the rest of the team understands it, the business of football, and the Ravens should understand it. John Harbaugh's frustrated. We said it on the show last week. He's completely frustrated. Look, you know the the rehab, the 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 power to get back, the the urgency to get back is a better term, isn't there? And and there's been really inaccurate reporting. I think that line opened at six and a half because of what Schefter reported on Sunday. And I don't, I'm not saying Adam was wrong with his report. I'm sure he got it from somebody. But then you know Florio reported on PFT, and he's wired in that Baltimore organization. He reported that you know it's not certain. So there was a disconnect coming out of there. I think there's frustration. I think there's I think it's all related to Deshaun Watson's contract. They don't want to give that contract up. I think if the Ravens really if they can't settle it, I think they've got to look at trying to trade them and seeing if they can reconstruct their offensive team around somebody else. Who that might be, I don't know. I know this. Lamar wants to play in Miami. He wants to go back to Miami. Would they be interested in him? I don't know. You know, they got Tua. You know, you know Tua's one of the top players in the league. Would they get rid of Tua for him? I don't know. I said that well sarcastically.
3: Pos- I know. We, we know. Well-positioned questions. That's called journalism, kids. Look it up. Three for three. Patrick, can I get one in quick? Three. This is the one oh, I cut, oh, but it's really.
5: Michael, you said on Monday – Mike Tomlin should be coach of the year. You know he won't finish in the top five in voting, but I don't disagree <laughs> with you. It's his best job. But you know who else won't be in the top five? Andy Reid. Andy Reid, who all yeah. he did was got his team the number one seed and go 6-0 and in a division that everybody said was the best of all time. While his other three opponents were spinning with a credit card, he let his top wide receiver and the Honey Badger walk away. And when we re- remember Andy Reid, we're going to say, oh, he had Pat Mahomes. But he's a hell of a coach, Michael.
4: Not only does he have Pat Mahomes, he coaches Pat Mahomes, and Pat Man. Mahomes plays at a high, high level for him. You know that's the difference. I agree completely. You know, and and they've got all the things they need. In my power ranking, they're the, they have the best of the 19 categories. They're in the top. They're in the top area in 16 of them. They can do anything you want them to do. They can play any way you want to play. Can they hold up on defense? I don't know. I think that's the question. But I would say this: some of the best coaching jobs are in those nine and eight teams or those seven and ten teams. And some of the best coaching jobs are when you get great teams to play at a high level. That's hard sometimes to do, and Andy does it every year. Hey,
3: Mike Palm, there's a rumor that your wife calls you the honey badger. No, not true, <laughs> not, not true at all. Although, are, you guys, are you guys both cool with potentially the Chiefs and Bills being played indoors in Atlanta? Why Michael, we'll Atlanta? With you.
5: Ludicrous. Why not Miami? Even Vegas yeah. is a better choice, at least with natural grass. Even Mark Davis has declared it the most neutral
4: field in America. Yeah, that's true. It is. He's right. I mean, there. how many chief <laughs> yeah. fans were at the game last week? <laughs> it's so true.
3: It's so true. Oh, but you're not good with it, Michael, right? Atlanta, that's a weird spot for
4: those two. It, it is kind of weird. I mean, I know it was going indoors. They don't want to mess around with it. That's why.
5: Hopefully the MLS crowd will come out. That's the only way they'll get people. <laughs> but
3: you have the, 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 honey. the
4: fight crowd, too. Maybe we'll get yeah. those out, too. I don't know. So. The Honey Badger,
3: Mike Palm. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, Michael Lombardi. Thanks, thank Mike Palm. You. Big Bets is next. Peace and Esports Betting Network.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.